This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. We've read this, I believe, all three weeks at this point. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. It says, for, un, uh, for to us a child is born, for to us a son is given. I told you last week that that is a miraculous statement in itself. To know that we, we see a child, human form, that is the flesh coming to earth, the, the word becoming flesh and coming to dwell among us. A child is given to us, but not only is a child given, but a son, the direct son of God. That, that one statement, that one sentence, that phrase of that sentence gives Jesus 100% divine and 100% human characteristic. It says, the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I told you, I pointed this out last week. I love... The way that this is worded, it says, of the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Go back to that slide before it. Of the increase of his government and peace. That means that in that deep, dark, dark, dark place... When I feel like God's given me all the peace he's going to give, when I feel like I've absorbed all the peace that I can possibly receive, there is no end to that peace. It's not like a gas tank that has to be refilled. It's not like uh, uh, it doesn't run dry, it doesn't run empty. It is the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. doesn't even say the peace there is no end. It says of the increase. That means it's going to continue to grow and grow and grow and grow more and more. Not that it's just staying at a, at a stable level. It's that the increase doesn't cease. That's an amazing thought to me. I need his peace, amen? Do you agree? So to know that I serve a God that of the increase of his peace will never cease is amazing. I want you to look with me now, please. At Luke chapter 15, I've preached this passage several times over the last couple of years. I've preached it in different, different ways and brought different things out of it. We were looking at the idea of an everlasting father. The New American Standard calls him an eternal father. The original Hebrew word there could mean absolute, always, perpetuity, forever. That means that no matter the situation, no matter how bad of a son I am, he's still my father. You with me? Always. That means whether he's got a moment where I've done one of those proud moments, it's like I had a boy, son, I'm proud of you, pat on the back, or whether I have literally dug the hole of sin and buried myself and put a top on top of it. The bear, no matter where I'm at in that point, always he's a good father. We've got to establish that walking into this whole conversation. 
It doesn't matter what kind of child I am, he is a good father. If you have children, you recognize that it's not always as easy to be a good parent, a good mother, or a good father when the child is not a good child, right? Let's be honest. It is not easy. It's not easy to maintain my composure. It's not easy to maintain my patience and my soft temperament that I typically try my best to have. That is not easy for me to be a good father when my youngin is doing something absolutely ridiculous. They don't do that. I'm just using it as an illustration. You with me? You agreed, so it must be your kids, not mine. Just kidding. They're kids, right? Just like we're sinners, right? They're kids. They're going to act like kids. I am a, a fleshly man, and I'm going to act like a fleshly man at times. The goal is to have more wins than losses, right? The goal is, is to have, have more times that I'm, I'm good than times that I'm acting like a child, right? Lord, help me. I hope I can do that. But regardless of how I act, he's always a good father. Luke chapter 15, I'm going to read this, and it's kind of long, but I'll do my best not to bore you. If you get bored, wake up. Verse 11 said, And there was a man who had two sons. The younger of him said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. Notice that word give. Everybody say Give. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the young son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country and there squandered his property. Everybody say reckless and reckless living. I ain't gonna let you go to sleep. See? And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. Can't preach that sermon. Gotta keep going. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed the pigs. Everybody say pigs. I met an awesome pig this week named Piglet who come walking right up to me like a dog, let me rub her on her head. Ain't never had an experience with pigs like that. Here this guy's found him feeding pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. There's this whole, I'm, there's so much more that's so good in this. I ain't even got time to do it. At this point, he's been abandoned. Go back. He's longing to be fed with the pigs. But nobody even give him that. You ever felt like you couldn't get the time of day from anybody? Like you're invisible? My dude can't even get pig slop to eat. We, were, we had funeral food that was left over and left out at times, and after it had been out so long, we, had to, we put it in, in buckets, plastic buckets, and left it sitting out for who knows how long and go dump it on the yard for the pigs to eat. That's disgusting. And my man is just longing to be fed with the pigs, and nobody cares. Not the point of this message. But when he came to himself... He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? Say, more than enough. But I perish with hunger. 
I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to the father. But while he was still, somebody say, a long way. A long way off, his father saw him and felt somebody say, compassion. And ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son, like he had planned, he said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate for this. My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to celebrate, but there's always somebody else, right? And I put this guy down, and when I was writing this message, I kind of felt guilty for the way I've talked junk about this guy in the past, but let's talk about him. He says, now the older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and said, what are these things? Uh, what, what, ask what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother's come, and your father's killed the fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. He was angry and refused to go in. His father came out. That's a very strong point. You realize that? I'm going there, I promise. He was angry and refused to go in, yet his father came out. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you. I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. He wasted everything you got. He's blown your money. Yet you give him a fattened calf, not even the fattened goat. You give him the calf. And he said to him, son... You're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. I want to give you five thoughts. If you're taking notes, there's five characteristics to a good father. Jesus is telling this story. It's a parable. We know parables to be earthly stories with heavenly meanings. There's so much meat packed into this story. There's so much deep, deep stuff that we can find in so many different places in all of the characters. And I really can't think of a better place to go when we're having a conversation about a good father than to this story. And I just read you all of it and we walked through it, but I want to tell you that from the very beginning... God is a giving father. He's a giving father. The son goes to dad, and dad's not dead. You realize this? I love my dad dearly, but I believe if I went to him and said, hey, daddy, I need my inheritance right now, he's going to look at me like I've lost my ever-loving mind. And we really could stop right there because if we want to get technical, I want to be honest. Doesn't it grow over time? So if I sell myself short and I take that inheritance now, then I'm also forfeiting what I would be getting later down the road. You with me? 
But God is a good God and he's a good father and he is a giving father. And so the son said, hey dad, I want you to give me all that's supposed to be mine. What does the dad do? Because he's a good giving father. He gave it to him. He gives it to him. And it really reminds me of the passage that we know oh so well. That for God so loved the world that he did what? Gave his only son. Knowing that we would take everything we, we received, he knew the son was not capable of handling the money. We don't read anywhere in what Jesus is telling that, that daddy said, well, son, I really, you really you want me to give this to you? You're just going to up and leave me? Like I'm about to give you what you should be earning over the next, hopefully, 25 years, and you're just going to walk out the door? Knowing that you and I would be messed up and knowing that you and I would go squander our, our inheritance on reckless living, a prostitute of some kind, shape, or form, something would be an idol, something would be something we would interact with, yet God still gave us his son, that we might be saved because God is a good giving father. Secondly, he is a providing father. There's a difference. He's a giving father. He's a providing father. Here's where the difference lies. The son is to a place where he says, I just want something to eat. I'll eat what the pigs are eating. And all of a sudden he comes to himself and he realizes that the servants that are serving my dad the ones that are doing what they're supposed to do, the ones he's brought on, the one he's hired to make sure that the, 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 the farm keeps going, the one to make sure that the plan, plantation keeps growing and it keeps going like it's supposed to, those ones that are serving my father always have more than enough to eat. Because not only is he a giving father, not only is he going to give us what we ask for sometimes, even when it's not what's best for us, I believe there's times that he withholds because he knows better, but I believe there's times he gives us what we ask for and we, we hang ourselves with it. You with me? We wanted freedom, we got freedom, we abused freedom and we sin. He still gave us freedom, right? He's a giving father, but not only is he a giving father, but this man that Jesus is describing is a providing father. The ones that are serving and they're doing what they're supposed to do, the ones that are standing beside him, they always have more than enough to eat. There's never been a time in my life where there was not more than enough to do what needed to be done. It might have been really close sometimes. It might have been days that I would purposely not open the bank account because I didn't want to see what was in it, but somehow it always works out and there's always enough and there's more than enough even to cover up my stupidity sometimes. You with me? Because not only is he a giving father, he's a providing father. Not only is he a giving and providing, but he's also a pursuing father. God is a pursuing father. We see that twice in this story. First of all, when the dude finally come to his senses and realized he's tired of sleeping with the pigs, he said, I got to go home. And he's rehearsed this. Father, I've sinned against you. And I just want to be one of your servants. Let me just come back and be a servant. I just want something to eat. And your Bible says that, but while wow, he was still a long way off. He didn't have to come. He didn't have to get his act together. See, this is where we messed up. And you can go back to last week. He didn't have to get his mess together. He didn't have to have life put together in this perfect little shape or form. He didn't have to quit cussing. He didn't have to quit smoking. He didn't have to quit drinking. He didn't have to quit sleeping around. He didn't have to get all this junk straight before he come into the father's house. You know why? He didn't even make it to the father's house. The father pursued him. You with me? 
We got it messed up. Trying, we, we, we're creating this persona that people got to be perfect. Bull, none of us are perfect. I'm not. I just said bull in the pulpit. I'm not perfect. And we've created this place that seems like it's this well put together place. And and the Father's house is supposed to be something that we've got to put on our best robe. And we've got to put on our best cologne. And we've got to be cleaned up. We've got to be dressed up. We've got to be put together to enter into the Father's house. When the Father's house is the place we come into broken. While he was a long way off, the father ran to him, embraced him. He didn't put him off and say, I can't believe, son, you went and spent everything I had on prostitutes. I can't, you're gone, get off my, no. He ran, embraced him, kissed him. He'd been sleeping with the pigs. And his father kissed him. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You know why? You know what that is? That is God pursuing us. Psalm 139 said, if I choose to ride the way to the depth of the sea, if I bury myself in darkness, that's what I talked about last week. If I choose to be in darkness, if I make my, I go up to heaven, or if I make my bed in hell, he's still there. You know why? He's a pursuing father. He's pursuing a relationship with us. Not only is he a pursuing father, he's a compassionate father. I've been hung up on this. I had an assignment a while back, and I wrote this really, really long paper on John chapter 6, like 14 verses. My paper's 16 pages long. Out of all that, you know what I was moved by so much? That it says that he saw him at a far off. I don't know how old the man is. Jesus is telling a story. I don't even really know that this is a true story. Jesus spoke it so there's truth in the story. Whether it's a factual story or not. You know what mustered him to get up his strength and move and begin running to the sun? Compassion. He looked as he was the first of all that he had to have been standing there waiting to say, can you imagine? I see God our Father standing longing. Standing on the front porch day after day after day. You seen him yet? You seen him yet? And finally way off, moved with compassion, he takes off running to the sun. In John chapter 6, Jesus is trying to get into solitude. He's trying to be, be at a place where he can teach his disciples. They can go into prayer. They're tired of people. They're peopled out. But yet, here's a crowd, and I'm, you put this into perspective, I'm talking 15,000, 20,000 people that show up where Jesus is at. I'm not talking about a couple hundred. I'm talking about 15,000 plus people showing up. I don't like people that good. You with me? (laughs) Talk about having to go see my counselor. I'd have to go see my counselor. 15,000 plus people show up. And Jesus is sitting on the mountainside, what we believe might be the eastern side, the the hillside of the Sea of Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee. and, And he looks up and he sees this ridiculous mass of people. 
First of all, the whole concept of him seeing to me is amazing. Jesus is up on the hillside hanging out with his closest. But yet he lifts up his eyes and he sees the crowd. The man at the farm has got everything going on, yet he looks off into the distance and sees the son. And in John chapter 6, Jesus moved with compassion, looked at Philip and said, Hey, you got some money? We got to buy some hamburgers. Where are we going to get bread to feed these people? For me, a messed up, broken down dude that knows that I can never live up to any standard of perfection appreciates the fact that a God who created heavens and earth, who sits high above the earth, is not so focused on himself like so many of us are that he can look and see me and be moved with compassion. Who in the world are we as the church? To lift up our eyes and see and not be moved with compassion. He's a compassionate father. He's a giving father. He's a providing father. He's a pursuing father. He's a compassionate father. And lastly, he's a faithful father. You can start me some music, please, sir. I'm going to attempt to finish this thing up, although it feels really good. I'll be honest. I've talked trash about the sun so many times. <laughs> what I've really done was compared the sun to the church. And as much as I love the church, I've trash-talked the church. Because here's a sinner. Here's a son who's come home who was lost. That dad had wrote him off. Never expected him to come back, yet he was still faithful to stand on the porch every day looking, hoping he'd come back. He was faithful. He was committed. He was dedicated. And the second son said, I don't get it. I want the dummy who asked for half of my money. I've never done anything wrong. And I've preached this in a place that he was as guilty at that point as the, the other son, right? And I ain't backing down on that thought. And for us to look down and look bad on somebody and not be moved with compassion, but instead be moved with greed and pride and think, look down on them. I ain't never done nothing wrong. What's going on here? We're just as messed up as he was. But we ain't talking about the son today. We're talking about the father. Because there's only a few left, but there are still some saints who have never gone off the deep end. There are still some Christians sitting in the churches who they never had a drug problem, they never had an addiction, they never had a drinking issue, they never had an affair, they never had anything they had to overcome. There are still a, a few. There's not many, there's a few. And it's really easy to see it as we're one of those. And we look at somebody who's radically been changed, radically been saved, and see God pouring blessing upon blessing upon blessing. The guy entered into the father's house as the father led him in. The very best robe in the house was put on the son. And it's easy for us 
to sit back and be ticked off because I didn't have that problem. I didn't get that deliverance. Therefore, I didn't get that blessing. The Father said, never left me. All that is mine is yours. Shut up, son. Sit down and be quiet. You're making something out of nothing. You're right. You have been committed to me. You've been dedicated to me. And there's a reward waiting for you. Remember, first son took his inheritance halfway through. Therefore, it did not get the awesome, amazing wonder of the world called compound interest. Right? Einstein, that says that's the eighth wonder of the world. He missed it. Because he got it out early. The son that stayed, his inheritance stayed put. Everything daddy made from that point forward was not going to be split. He said, you've always been with me. And all that's mine is yours. You've been faithful. I'm a faithful father. He's a giving father. He's a providing father. He's a pursuing father. He's a compassionate father, and he's a faithful father. And all five of those characteristics that Jesus is, Jesus is describing in this man are always perpetuity, never-ending, eternal, everlasting, because he was an everlasting father. Some people struggle with a song like Good, Good Father. And they struggle with this conversation about God being a good heavenly father. Because although some cases are much worse than others, we all have broken fathers. I'm a broken father. Right? I'm not perfect. <laughs> In case you hadn't figured that out yet. And although my dad was there, and he's a fantastic man and he's a good father, he still isn't perfect. Some people didn't have the presence of a good father, an earthly father in their life. And so wrapping their head around the fact that God himself can be a good father is almost impossible because we're then viewing our earthly father through the lens of what where we're trying to see our heavenly father the same way that we see our earthly father. What if it was flipped and we now make our heavenly father the standard and then we begin to view our earthly father through the lens of our heavenly father. It's a challenge. It's a lot easier for me to say it than to do it. There's no question. But as long as I try to make my, as long as I try to make God measure up to my, my earthly father, I'm never going to get the full potential of who God the heavenly father is. Because that's always bringing him down to this level that he's not. The beautiful thing is, is that maybe if I set my standard on my heavenly father, maybe somehow forgiveness can even come one day for my earthly father. Maybe I can move past it and I can begin to see my earthly father through the eyes of grace and through the eyes of forgiveness rather than trying to set him on this pedestal that he never existed on. God's a giving God. He's a providing father. He's a pursuing father. He's a compassionate father. He's a faithful father.
Would you stand with me? We deal with this really, how does this all come back to Christmas? Well, first of all, Jesus came to earth, came to earth. Jesus wants to be the everlasting heavenly father for you. God sent Jesus, Isaiah's prophesying, a son, a, a child will be born, a son will be given. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus himself is the Everlasting Father. Many of us are struggling. Maybe we fail to realize that God's a giving God, He's a providing God. What does it require from us? Faithfulness. The hired servants, the ones that serve the Father, the ones that serve the Master. It makes it sound real harsh because it makes it sound like I live in shackles and I got some stand, somebody standing over me with a whip making me serve God. Wrong. I choose to serve God. I had this conversation just this morning. Sure, there are some things that I have to, to change in my life in order to serve God. There's some sacrifices that have to be made. There's a change of heart that has to take place. But the reward is so, so, so much greater than the sacrifice. I'm not going to lay down our list of rules and regulations for you to come to know Jesus. First of all, God's pursuing you. He is chasing after you hard. He's desired a relationship with you way before you were ever even formed in your mama's womb. Psalms tells us that before you were knit together in your mother's womb, God had a plan and a purpose, and he put you together and made you who he wanted you to be so that you could fulfill that purpose one day. Whether you do or not is up to you, not up to God. But from the very beginning, he had a plan for our life because he's a pursuing God. He's got a compassion and so today I wonder, who is it that might be standing in the crowd of 15,000 is what it feels like, lost in a sea of people. And you've never really understood the fact that God has looked and he sees you. At the pool of Bethesda, all those people, he went to that one man because he saw him. He was moved with compassion. God sees you today. You're important. You matter. There's no hell too deep that God's not been right there in that moment with you. He's not ready to pull you out of. He's chasing after you. He's ready to provide everything you could ever need. Because he's a giving father. He's a providing father. He's a pursuing father. He's a compassionate father. And he's a faithful father. He's faithful to me when... I break the faithfulness to him. He's still faithful to me. First John 3 said, How great is love he's shown to us that I might be called a child of God. Because he's faithful. 
Father, I love you, Lord. God, I've done my best to be out of the way today for you to deliver this message the way that you would see fit. God, I've done my best to describe your character as a father in the best way that I see as Scripture depicts. There's so, so, so many more characteristics of you as a father. God, but today I recognize you're a giving father. If I ask, your word says anything that I ask in your name, according to your will, it'll be mine. Because you're a giving father. God, you provide. You, the sparrows, the birds of the air, they never sow, they never reap, yet they, they never fill the barn up, God, but they always have something to eat because you give them something to eat. Aren't I so much more than they? You're a providing father. Father, Maybe there's somebody here today who doesn't know you. Maybe there's somebody here today that had a pretty messed up relationship with their earthly father. Maybe there's somebody here today that by normal standards, they had a pretty messed up earthly father. The fact is, God, we're all broken. We're all simply broken men trying to be fathers. God, none of us can ever live up to a standard of perfection, and we can never live up to to the standard that might be set that it should be, God. But let's shift our standard to you. Because that's not you. You are a perfect father. You're a good, good father. God, I pray if there's anybody here today who don't have a relationship with you, I pray that you move on their heart right now. God, maybe there's somebody here today who needed to be reminded you're compassionate, you care. They don't have to have it together to come to you. <laughs> that whole thought process is so messed up and broken. Because just like that father waiting to see that son, God, you're pursuing us while we're a long way off before we ever even begin to get it together. All we've got to do is make a decision to come home. You don't know Jesus today. Could we pray this prayer together? Repeat it with me. Father, you're a good father. I recognize I'm a sinner. I recognize I failed. I recognize I need a Savior. Forgive me, Lord. Come into my life. Change my life. I give you my life. Make me like you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Father, I pray blessings on your people today. Bless us and keep us. Lord, give us peace. Let your face shine on us. Be kind to us, Lord. Bring us back again in the name of Jesus. Amen.